Mark chapter 14 is where we're going to be at. We've been uh, making our way through the gospel of Mark, and we are toward the end. Mark chapter 14, we're going to begin in verse 26. We're actually going to be reading two passages today. Uh, You kind of get the beginning, and then as Paul Harvey says, you get the rest of the story in uh, verse 66. So we'll be moving there. Here we go. Beginning in verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster goes twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. All right, rest of the story, verse 66. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to him, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly, you're one of them, for you're a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, she'll deny me three times. And he broke down and he wept. Father, we pray that you would teach us, Lord, this morning about our own frailty, about our weakness, about how much we need to depend upon you. Father, I pray that um, you might encourage our hearts that that you're a God of failures. uh, That even when we fail, you still love us. You still restore us. You still use us. Father, I pray that, Lord, that you might increase our dependency and our seeking of you this morning. We pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to work in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I spent about 20 hours um, between Amarillo, Texas and Seligman, Arizona on I-40 in the last week. And uh, there's not a lot to see. I don't know if you've ever ridden that or driven that road, but it's pretty desolate, a lot of desert. It's pretty, I think. But there's just not a lot as far as towns or things that you go through. But however, what you do go through is a bunch of billboards, okay? There is a bunch of billboards advertising great things, okay? I mean, all of them are advertising something great. I mean, you got like the the ride the world's largest jackrabbit, I think was one of them. And another one was uh, world's largest petrified tree, you know, I mean, there's just world's largest map. That was one of them. World's, I mean, I mean, just, I mean, you'd never know out in the desert. Here you got this, all this world's largest stuff, you know, but one of the things that, that I was really interested in was this truck stop. Okay. They had been advertising for a hundred miles, at least, you know, just billboard after billboard after billboard. And it was, you know, world famous truck plaza and world famous Navajo jewelry and world famous, you know, one that really caught my attention, world famous log rolls, you know, 
know? And I was just thinking in my mind, man, there's somebody over in Thailand right now saying, I wish I had one of them log rolls over at, by, uh, by, by Albuquerque on the interstate. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean this, these things are famous for air. I mean, I'm getting so excited. I have no one to share my excitement with because my wife has a, she has a condition called uh, Automo Sleepy. And whenever she gets in, in a vehicle, she just goes to sleep, you know. So, like, I'm getting revved up. I mean, we're about to see something world famous, you know. I mean, the signs keep telling me, world famous, world famous, world famous. Wow, 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 you know. Man, I crest the hill. There it is. What a disappointment, you know. I mean, it's, it's I think Hutch's is better, you know. I mean, it, it's just run down and paints off of it. And there's a couple trucks there and... There's a juggler and a guy playing a a guitar for gas. I mean, it's just nothing big at all, you know. It's false advertising. (laughs) Now, as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, I was thinking about this passage. We're kind of false advertisers, aren't we? We we do a lot of false advertising about ourselves. I I know Peter did, didn't he? Listen, Listen to what Peter boasts, okay? These are pretty big boasts, okay? Peter says, even though they all fall away... I will not. I like how he compares himself to other people. Isn't that great? You know, these are all bozos. They're going to fall away. Me, never, never. Okay. Verse 31, he says emphatically, if I must die with you, I'll not deny you. Peter makes some pretty incredible claims there, doesn't he? And then he backs up zero. You know, in contrast to that, we have Jesus. Now, we're entering a part of the, of the gospel of Mark where Jesus takes care of business. You know, he takes care of your business. Did you know that? You know, we're entering a, a part of the gospel of Mark where he's going to be denied and he's going to be betrayed and he's going to be given over to the authorities and he's going to be arrested and slandered and falsely accused and beaten and scourged and crucified and murdered. And he's going to do it all to take care of you. He's going to do it all to take care of your every problem. I've been saying that all morning. I like that. Jesus takes care of your every problem, you know, because people are out there saying, I've still got money problems. And I Listen, okay, if you're connected to Jesus, you know what that means? That means he's taking away your sin. That means he's, he's making all things new in your life. That means he is leading you to the new heavens and the new earth where literally he will take care of all your problems. Jesus is doing that here. And, and, and here's the great thing, okay? The Bible advertises Jesus as the good shepherd, the way, the truth, and the life, the resurrection of life, the living water, the bread of life. I mean, he's all those things, and he never disappoints. You see, Jesus is the one who is steady and undeterred through torture and execution. Jesus is the one who doesn't waver. Jesus is the one who doesn't quit. Jesus is the guy who shows up and gets the job done when everybody else bails. Jesus is the guy who's faithful when nobody else is, who stands alone even when everybody else drops out, who holds the line and carries the load and gets it done no matter the circumstances. That is our Jesus, okay? And in this passage, you have Jesus who is awesome, taking care of business, even when everybody else bails out on him. And you have him in contrast with the disciples who boast great things, but in the end, they all fall away. 
You know, that, that word fall away is interesting. In verse 27, it says, Jesus said to them, you will all fall away. The, the word fall away literally means, it's a, it's a word that we get our word scandal from. It's a mean to, it means to take offense at something and turn away from it, okay? So has this ever happened to you? Have you ever been in a room, maybe a room with a bunch of people, and you're kind of meandering around, and, and something stinks over here? Have you ever, been in, you ever been in that kind of room? You know, mothers, huh? Come on, you got boys, okay? And, and so what do you do? You take offense at it, and if you're smart anyway, you move to the other side of the room, don't you? I mean, you, you distance yourself from that thing that's offensive, okay? Well, that's really what that word means. And so what's happening here in this passage is that the disciples had no problem at all being connected to Jesus. No problem at all identifying themselves with Jesus when he's healing, and he's raising the dead, and he's feeding the 5,000, and the crowds are swarming. Remember, they actually even fought over who's the greatest, who, who's the one closest to Jesus. All right? But as soon as things get tough, as soon as there's a cost, as soon as it gets a little scary, they all begin to distance themselves from Jesus. They're afraid to be associated with him. Now, that's a big deal. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of people, and I, I hate this, they... They, 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 they say stuff like, you know, my religion is just between me and God and I'm a private person. I'm a private Christian. I'm a secret agent, I guess, is what you could look at it. Maybe, a, you know, I'm, I'm an undercover Christian, and, but that's all that matters. You know, I, I don't see that in the scripture. I, I just don't. You know, when, when you look, look at Mark 8, 38, it says this, Whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels? What Jesus very clearly tells us, it, it's a big deal how we feel about our connection to him, okay? And I think we can understand that, can we? Um, I'm connected, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm connected to a lady named Emma Dirks. Um, August 10, 1991, we were married, okay? We stood in a church in Scott City, Kansas, and God made us one. And we're, there's, a, there's, a, there's a vital connection between Emma and I. State of Kansas recognizes our union, that we are now one. She takes my name. We have one. We share a name. We share a house. We share a family. We share kids. We, we, we literally are connected. We're one, okay? We're, we have a vital union between the two of us. And, and you know what? It would be hurtful to me if when I go someplace with my wife, if when we get into wherever we're going, if she automatically tries to get as far away from me as possible, okay? That, that, that actually would hurt, okay? If I came up and she's visiting with somebody and they say, was that your husband you came in with? And she says, no, he's not here, okay? That, you're laughing, that hurt my feelings, all right? That would, I mean, it really would. Would it not hurt you? That would hurt my feelings. You know, I have a vital connection to my children. I have five children. They're my own flesh and blood. You know, they, they live in my house. They eat my food. They drive our fleet of cars. I mean, they, we, we share when I pay for their college. You know what I mean? We, we, we're vitally connected. We're in union. And it would hurt my feelings. If, if the other day I went up to, to Northwestern uh, University and, and preached... Uh, at the, at the Baptist Student Union where my daughter goes to, to college. And man, if, if I come in and, and I hear her talking and, and one of her friends says, is this your dad that's speaking? And she's like, no, my dad's, he's a business guy. He's not here. That hurt me. That hurt me. Well, let me tell you. If you're a believer this morning, you have a vital connection to Jesus Christ. 
Okay? Romans 6 tells us about it. It's really interesting. Romans 6, verses 4 and 5. says, We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might walk in newness of life. We're joined to Jesus in His death, in His burial, in His resurrection. Listen to verse 5. For if we have been united, what's that word mean? United, joined, united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. You're joined to Jesus. That's what salvation means, okay? If you're a Christian, and I don't know everybody's heart, you know your own heart, but if you're a Christian, what that means is you are united, connected to Jesus Christ by faith. And listen, it's all benefit for you and all bad for him, okay? It's all benefit for you in the sense of Jesus gives you his righteous life. Jesus, Jesus takes away your sin. He, he, he bears the guilt and the punishment for what you've done. He takes all your filth and, and, and all, all your depravity. And he gets blamed for it. And he takes the wrath of God for it. And at the same time, he gives you his righteous life. What does he get? He gets your sin. What do you get? His life. But you're connected to him. You're joined to him. And so, how would it be, friends? How would it be if in your heart, All you care about is distancing yourself from Jesus. You see how hurtful that is? See how insulting that is? And listen, for Peter, for Peter it was it was it was a real threat. I mean, I mean, literally, if he gets associated with Jesus, if people know he's connected with Jesus, he might get arrested. He might get charged. He might be crucified as well. You know what it is for us most of the time? For us, most of the time, it's we might lose a little bit of our cool. Newsflash, most of us aren't cool to begin with. But do you see how hurtful it is, how offensive, if we're not proud of our connection to Jesus Christ? Looking around here, some of you are, man, you're, you're perfectly, Jason Biffle, right there, look at him, and his lovely wife, Tiffany. They are sporting Harley Davidson shirts. And I know Jason. Jason has more than one, okay? Uh, he has more than one Harley Davidson shirt. Now, now what, what Jason is promoting is he's walking around saying, I'm proud to ride a Harley Davidson motorcycle. I'm proud to, I'm proud to have a Harley Davidson. Many of you, in the first service, we have a man named Dean Pond. Now, none of you, I don't believe any of you here, were here at 8.30 when we worship. But I just wonder, who has a guess what shirt Dean was wearing? Oh, there we go. How'd you know that? The reason you knew that is because Dean doesn't have any other shirts, okay? Now, here's the interesting thing. Harley Davidson's made some... Junky bikes. I'm sorry, they have. They have. I mean, they have. They've messed it up a couple times, at least. They've gotten a lot better. There was a there was a time there where you needed a whole tool kit and a pit crew. You know, OSU. OSU blows it sometimes, guys. Now, uh, those oh, uh, listen, the OU guys are always puffing up. Listen, hey, bowl games. That's all I got to say. All right, uh, listen. OSU, OU, they all blow it. But you know what? Even when they blow it, I'm amazed. You guys come to church with those shirts. I see you walking around. I love OSU. I'm connected to OU. I love Harley Davidson. Hey, let me tell you something. 
in the history, in the millennia of time, Jesus has never once blown it. Jesus has never once done anything disgraceful. Jesus has never once let you down. Jesus has never once blown his job. Jesus has never once not taken care of your business. So why in the world would you not be ecstatic to be connected to him? Right? I need to make an important distinction. We, we, we're going to talk about the disciples' failure, their denial of Jesus. But as we talk about that, I, w- I want to I make an important distinction in my mind, or in your, and hopefully in your mind here. First of all, what we're talking about today, when we talk about how they blow it, what we're talking about is a sin of weakness. Okay, does that, does that make sense? You know what I mean by a sin of weakness? What I mean by a sin of weakness is, it's a sin in which Peter sincerely loves Jesus. Amen? Right? I think he really does. I, I don't think there's any question. He loves Jesus. He wants to follow Jesus. He wants to obey Jesus. But when it comes down to it, when the pressure's on, when, when, the, when there's something at stake, when his comfort is, is threatened, when he's scared, when he's fearful, when he's confused, what happens? He blows it. Okay? That's a sin of weakness. Now, there's another kind of sin. Okay, this kind of sin is not so much a sin of weakness, but this is when somebody says, you know what? Pastor was preaching today on Peter and that guy really messed it up. And yet, you know what? Jesus forgave him and took him back. So I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and live in sin for a while. And eventually I'll I'll come back to Jesus because before I die, I don't want to go to hell. So I'll come back to Jesus later. But right now I'm, I'm enjoying my life of sin. Okay, friends, that's a different category of sin. Do you understand that? Okay, so I just want to make that distinction because as we talk about the disciples' sin, theirs was really a sin of weakness, and that's what we're speaking of this morning, okay? So let's talk about their sin and their sin of weakness. What, 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 what caused Peter to blow it so bad? What caused the other disciples to blow it so bad? The very first thing I think we have to realize is that the, the, the root of their blowing it was an inflated view of their own spiritual strength, Okay? Notice verse 29, Peter says of himself, even though they all fall away, I will not. Verse 31, he says, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. What is Peter saying here? Peter's saying, look, I can handle this. He's saying, I got this covered. You know, these other guys, they may blow it, but I won't. I've got things under control. Let me tell you, Peter, you didn't. <laughs> and and let, me, let me tell you, Christian here this morning, you don't either. <laughs> I hear Christians talking about certain sins. This bothers me. Uh, I, I hear Christians say things like, you know, I would never commit adultery. Or I, I, I would never steal anything. Or I would never be a gossip. We've got lots of gossips in our workplace. But I'm not that and I won't ever be. Hey, listen, I'm glad that you're not. And, and listen, I, I don't want you to ever be. But here's what I also want you to know. You're a sinner. And given the right circumstances and the right sloppiness and the right carelessness in your spiritual life, you are capable of horrible things. And that's the truth. Some people don't like to believe that about themselves. They don't believe that, believe that about their family. But that's absolute truth, my friends. In fact, 1 Corinthians ten twelve says this. He who thinks he stands better be careful lest he fall. Because given the right conditions, you're no better than Moses who fell. You're no better than David who was an adulterer. You're no better than Jonah who ran from God in disobedience. You're no better who, than Gideon who turned into an idolater. You're no better than Solomon who disobeyed God in the, in the realm of sexual lust and ended up being an idolater. You're no better than Peter. 
who denied the Lord. The question, my friends, is not whether you mean it, whether you're sincere. Listen, verse 31, Peter really means it. Okay? I'm not questioning whether you really mean it. Notice verse 31. He said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny it. What does emphatically mean? Emphatically is when you pound the table and you said, I'll never do that. I will always be true. Peter sincerely means it. But listen, sincerity means very little without the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you succeed in the Christian life? How do you succeed? Do you succeed by gutting it out? By being really serious, being really earnest, by being really tough, being really self-controlled. Let me ask you this question. I, I just want you don't have to raise your hands, but just in your own spirit answer this. How many of you have ever said of a certain sin, I'm never doing that again? I'm, I'm never going to get angry like that again. I'm never going to lose my temper like that again. I'm never going to say those things again. I'm never going to look at that kind of picture again. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to go there again. And then you did it again and again and again. Or maybe let's ask it this way. How many of you have ever said, yeah, how many of you have ever been in a room just like this, a church just like this, and you said something like, Lord, man, I, from now on, I'm going to read my Bible every day. From now on, I'm going to be a giver. From now on, I'm going to pray. From now on, I'm going to, how many of you said something like that? And it lasted to the parking lot. You got right past Lincoln Avenue and You see, if you're trying to live your life on self-control, if you're trying to live your Christian life on self-control, it's going to be about as successful as your diet, okay? Those two things are going to go about together, okay? I I mean, really, how many times, I do this all the time. Okay, honey, I'm done eating junk. I'm done eating bad. I'm done picking out. I'm not going to do it anymore until I'm hungry. And then I do it again, you know? Listen, if that's the way you're trying to live your Christian life, it's not going to be successful. What you got to realize is that you're weak. Why don't you just say that? Say that with me. I'm weak. Ready? I'm weak. I am. I mean, I mean that, that's what the Bible, that's what Jesus tells me. John 15, 5 says this. I'm divine. You're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, Jesus says, if you're not, if you're not dependent on me, if you don't have my power, if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, you can't do anything. You're not going to make it. You're going to fall. Now, how does that help us? How does knowing that help us? You think that just discourages? Actually, it really helps. Let me tell you how it helps, okay? Because if you're Peter over here and you think I got it all together, um, I can do this. What's going to happen is. You're not going to seek the Lord as you ought to. People who think they have it all together genuinely do not pray very diligently for themselves. People who think they have it all together genuinely, generally don't read the scriptures as they ought to. Or if they do read it, they read it for other people. Honey, I got a verse for you here. You know, they, they don't read it for themselves. Okay, people, people who think they all have it all together, interestingly enough, usually don't go to small group. You know why they don't go to small group? They don't need anybody. They've got it. They handle it. They don't need Sunday school. They don't need spiritual friendships. They don't need accountability. They have it all together. But the person over here, like myself, who knows, man, I'm on the brink of blowing it every second. Prayer becomes a lifeline. Jesus, help. I need you. I need you. I can't do this without you. I will blow it. I need your help. The scriptures become a resource Jesus, this is my food. You got, you got to make me strong. You got to show me the way. You got, you got, you got to give me help here. Other believers, the, 
they're, they're my security. I need you. I need you guys in my life. I need you praying for me. I need you helping me. I need you encouraging me. I, I, I need you in my life. I need accountability. You see, how you see yourself drastically affects how you approach the Christian life. Listen to what Paul says. This is really interesting. 2 Corinthians 12. Paul's uh, talking about his own life, and he's got this hard thing in his life. He calls it the thorn in the flesh. And he, and he prays several times, and, and God won't take it away. But instead, here's what, here's what Jesus tells him. Verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Interesting, isn't it? Listen to what Paul says about that. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You see, the type of person that knows, man, I'm in trouble without Christ. If I don't have the Holy Spirit's power, I'm not making it today. You know what that person does? They radically depend on Jesus. Okay, now when you radically depend on Jesus, what happens? All of a sudden, you're connected to the Spirit of God. You're connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. You're connected to something bigger than yourself. And all of a sudden, what happens? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see how that happens? So, so number one, friends, we, we've got to be realistic about our own weakness and our need for Christ, our dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, notice the positioning of this passage, okay? So just look in your Bibles. And this is interesting to me, okay? I'll just kind of show you how it works in my Bible. In my Bible, starting in verse 27 is when Jesus says, you'll all fall away, okay? Uh, you're all going to deny me. He tells Peter in verse 29 or verse 30, uh, you're going to deny me three times. So that's right here, okay? Now, right over here is where Jesus gets arrested. He gets uh, beaten, struck, tried, tried before the council, and then kind of our passage ends over here where Peter denies Jesus three times and Jesus is delivered to Pilate, okay? But notice what is sandwiched right here in the middle, okay? So you have Jesus saying, you're all going to fall away. You've got all that happening. But right here in the middle is the Garden of Gethsemane. Isn't that interesting? So verse 32 is the Garden So you got, you got Peter saying, I can handle it. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be faithful. I, I can do it. Very next thing, verse 32, Jesus takes him to the garden. Let me read this to you. And he says to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Here's the first command. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found, found them sleeping. And he said to, specifically, Peter. He says to Peter, Simon. Why is he calling him Simon? Simon's his old name. He's kind of acting like the old guy. Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Verse 38 is key. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. The flesh is weak. Why is Peter sleeping? Why is he sleeping? Your answer, he's tired. Okay, aren't we tired all the time though? Why is he sleeping? Because he thinks he can handle it. What's Jesus saying? You can't handle it. You need to be praying. You need to be getting ready. You need to be watching. 
You need to be tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter. This is big. It's coming, Peter. Three times he tells him, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Peter sleeps, sleeps, sleeps. And so what happens? Man, the guards come. You know, Judas comes. He gives the kiss. Jesus is arrested. And so what does Peter do? Well, Peter, Peter, Peter loves Jesus, remember? So what does he do? Well, he fights physically. Verse 47. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Okay, now, those of you who've read the other Gospels, who is that? It's Peter. Peter's the one that does that. The other Gospels tell us that. What happens? So they come. There's the denial. They grab Jesus. Peter draws his dagger, chops off an ear. Hey, that's really noble that Peter is willing to fight physically for Jesus. But what did that do? You know what it did? I'll just be real honest here. This is the way I think of it. He just makes a mess. Head wounds bleed a lot, don't they? Isn't that what you've always heard? Okay. I mean, literally, he makes a huge mess. What does Jesus do? Jesus literally picks up the ear and he heals the guy. All Peter did was make a mess. But, but, but even more importantly, Peter's willing to fight physically, but he wasn't willing to pray. Man, how, how much is that like us? How many times do you get into a situation? What happens? Man, you're up in arms, right? I've seen some of you. Scary. Whew. You know, you're, you're making phone calls and you're charging and you're, you're ready to go fisticuffs and you're going to choose somebody out. You're going to get this thing done. And all you do is make a mess that Jesus got to clean up. You're willing to fight physically, but you're not willing to fight spiritually. What did Peter need to be doing? He need to be watching and praying. So that he would have held himself together when it really counted. But he doesn't. He doesn't pray. He doesn't depend on God. He thinks he has it all together. And so he sins. He denies Jesus. You know, man, in this passage, you get this vivid picture of how personal sin is. It's, when you sin, it's a personal offense against Jesus. Luke adds a great detail in this story. Luke twenty two sixty one. As the rooster crows, Luke adds this detail. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Does that get your gut? Peter's like, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Rooster crows. Jesus turns around. They make eye contact. It's personal, isn't it? Is your sin personal against Jesus? The Bible says that if you're a believer, he's taken it. The Bible says he's died for you. He bears your sin. He bears your guilt. So when you go on and live in it, isn't that a personal offense against Christ would seem to be but here is the beautiful thing our failures do not affect Jesus love for us amen I think even more beautiful our failures does not affect our being on mission for him we're still as guys I want you to notice a couple things here Verse 27 and 28. Go back there. Jesus says to them, you're all going to fall away. 
For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Verse 28, but after I'm raised up, I'll go before you to Galilee. Why does he say that? You're all going to fall away. You're all going to blow it. You're all going to deny me. But guys, after I die for your sins and raise from the dead, we're meeting in Galilee. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> What's it? He's saying, you're going to blow it, but you're still my guys. Oh, that's encouraging, isn't it? You're going to blow it, but remember what they do in Galilee? John 21, they eat breakfast. You remember the conversation? It's with Peter. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. You, you, got, you got, what's Peter thinking? I know I, I know I blew it, Lord. I know I denied you. I know, I know, I know, I know, but I do love you. What does Jesus say? Feed my sheep. Get to work, Peter. You're still my guy. Two, second time. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. Get back in there, Peter. Get back in there. Third time. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Three times. Peter, Peter denies him three times. Jesus reinstates him three times. You know what? You know what grips me about that? Jesus hits a home run every time. Doesn't he? Never fails. He's never failed you. Always faithful. Always consistent. Always there for us. Takes care of business. And yet he is beautifully patient. With people's weaknesses. But you know what's sad? You don't hit a home run every time. In fact, I don't know that I've ever dribbled one past the pitcher. We strike out a lot. But you know what's kind of irksome? Is that we can be really hard on other people's weaknesses. Yeah? We can, right? So-and-so didn't show up. I had to do their job. I made 23 casseroles and nobody from my small group showed up. Bunch of sinners. I, really, we can be pretty hard on people. We, we want the gavel to come down. That's, it's just really, it really strikes me that Jesus... He's always faithful. He, he knows they're going to fail him. What, what's he say? He didn't, he didn't kick dirt. And, you know what he says? Hey, guys, you're going to fail me. But listen, we're all, we're all meeting up in Galilee afterward. We're going to get this right. That's awesome. You guys don't love it like I love it. I, I love it, man. I'm telling you. I love that. Maybe because maybe I mess up so much, I guess. I don't know. But, man, that's awesome. For a failure, that's good news. That's really good news. Hey, guys. We're weak. That's who we are. We're weak. And we desperately need him. And it's a good thing for us to make resolutions. I will. I won't. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? As long as we follow that. By getting on our knees saying, Jesus, I can't do this unless you help me. And I need you. I need your word. I need your people. I need your worship. I need your spirit. 
And, and I'm, I'm staying right here. I'm staying in a position of dependence. Because I know that without you, I can't do it. That's where we need to stay. That's where we need to be. Maybe you're here and you came in thinking, man, I, I'm a failure. Sweet. You're exactly the person we're looking for. You fit in great. If you're, if you're perfect and you're here, I don't know. First Baptist is on Hank's trail that way. Um, try the Methodists, uh, Presbyterians. I don't know. I, I mean, I know we're not. So if, if you're perfect, you ain't going to fit in here at all, okay? Uh, I, don't, I doubt you're going to fit in any of those places either, but you might try somebody else, but it's not us. Um, we're, we're all sinners, and we desperately need Christ. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would um, work in us, Jesus. Uh, make us dependent upon you. Lord, we, we confess just wholeheartedly that, God, we can't do anything without you. We desperately need your power. Um, Lord, forgive us when we, when we deny you. God, forgive us when we're embarrassed of you. Forgive us when we don't associate with you, when we don't proudly wear your shirt, God, when we don't proclaim our connection to you. And Lord, help us just to be dependent on you radically. We need you, Jesus. Keep us from falling. Keep us from stumbling. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.